Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Home team, visiting team, your fantasy team. No matter who you root for, we're all on the same team when it comes to COVID-19. BioNTech and Pfizer remind you to please consider getting vaccinated. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. New Year's resolutions are just hard to keep up with, but saving money is easy at SaveWithConrad.com. Wouldn't 2022 be easier with lower monthly payments? Get the best rate you've ever had, pay off your credit card debt, and even get the cash you need right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to get started, and you can even skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Get even more from the hottest new podcast going, My World, with Jeff Jarrett over at adfreeshows.com. Let me get granular here for a minute, folks. Not only can you get the entire My World episode library with zero ads, new episodes come your way each week early, ad-free, and on video starting at just 9 bucks a month. We've also got tons of exclusive My World bonus content waiting for you, plus unique interactive experiences with your old pal, Double J. You get to jump on and ask Jeff questions. And if you joined us in Chicago this year for Top Guy Weekend, you got to hang out the entire weekend. Just recently, we sat down with Robbie the Highlander to clear the air on what really happened that night at the TNA taping in Orlando. We also had Jeff join fellow WWE Hall of Famer and ad-free partner Eric Bischoff to watch Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson's very first match and even talked with Tony Falk about breaking into the wrestling business. And how about this? There's only one place to get all this exclusive content and experiences, and that's by strutting over to adfreeshows.com right now, where you get my world and all of my podcasts early and ad-free on video for as low as $9 a month. That's just 30 cents an episode, 100% the best value in all of wrestling. Strut on over to adfreeshows.com right now to sign up. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to My World. 
And of course we couldn't do it without the hall of famer, the main event, double J Jeff Jarrett himself. Jeff, how are you, man? Conrad it's February. It's super bowl week. This show is going to be ups and downs and all around, but man, um, for once Conrad, I was in my seat before you were today. And I was just sitting here thinking about things. And I look back, do you remember one of the first trips you came up here, Conrad? And in my office, I have the two different whiteboards. Oh yeah. Just sort of, you know, it's nothing in concrete, but it's just sort of, of a, a fluid type deal. Um, and it's ebbed and flowed over the last, I have it over, but man, Conrad, it's completely full. I mean, I'm pretty damn excited about 2022, man. There's a lot to be excited about. Of course, the big news just dropped yesterday on social media in 83 weeks. Supershowlive.com is live and you and I have WrestleMania plans. April 1st, we're going to be right there in Dallas and we're doing a VIP hall of famer meet and greet. Uh, you're going to be able to come on over for happy hour, starting at 5 PM. Our show will start at seven and you're not just going to, uh, be on stage with myself and Eric Bischoff, but the question everybody wants to know is Jeff, who's the third man. <laughs> have we heard that somewhere before we have that rings a bell. <laughs> who's the third man. Man, I love surprises. Baseball, we got a surprise coming up, and that's what I did early this morning. On 217, at 217, in the 217, that's the area code of Springfield, we do the reveal and uh, they're about the brand. So a lot of surprises. We like surprises. So it's pretty cool. The brand's going to be revealed. Who's the third man? Um, Joe Burrow is going to go down the tubes. I, like, hey, hey like Jeff, Chris I'm Paul. trying to sell tickets to our Dallas event. If you can stop plugging baseball and Super Bowl. Supershowlive.com. Get your oh, tickets right now. They're hard sell Conrad. <laughs> okay. Fuck it. We don't care if you show up or not. You know, let's talk <laughs> about the Super Bowl. Let's talk about baseball. All good. What's going on, Jeff? What'd you eat for breakfast this morning? Okay. That's gonna be my answer today. No, what was I saw it on social media today about hey Jeff Con um I've had a couple of buddies that pop when when you uh, said, damn, Jeff, you told me how to build a watch that old saying, but anyway, so I'm going to be real. Just, I'll be short. No, today. no, don't you I, dare. You didn't get, listen, you didn't give me time to circle back into, I took you on a little path. Who's the third man. We like surprises. I talked about baseball cause that was the top of mind. And then we can talk about, Hey, there's another big deal in my world, Conrad, not your world. I've been sort of talking about this video game project that I've partnered with. That's going to be making some major headline news, but the biggest news of all is who does Conrad Thompson have lined up for April fool's day? Cause that's what you're pulling is a freaking April fool's joke. I know it. Well, we're not, we are actually going you to are. be announcing our latest podcast will be a mystery guest, but we're not even going to advertise that fella. No, no. Instead, we've got <laughs> another hall of famer or two, or who knows who's going to be there, but you need to be. Let me just give you a pro tip. This is going to sell out. Go ahead and snag a seat while you can. We've got general admission, but VIP is where it's at. Daddy, you get to come in early, have a few drinks with the guys, get an autograph, get some custom swag. You can't get anywhere else. Get your picture made with the guys. It's going to be a good time and it's happening on Friday. And here's the deal. If you're going to WrestleCon on Friday, as soon as you finish up, as they're winding down, come on over, hang out with us for happy hour for a couple hours. And then at seven o'clock, man, we're going live on pay per view. We'll have details for that coming up. Of course, you'll be able to catch it on Thuzio or fight or Triller or wherever, but buddy, the place to be is Dallas Friday. First super show Eric Bischoff, Jeff Jarrett, myself, 
and a whole host of other folks. We got a lot of tricks up our sleeve. Everybody's in town. It's not a question of, Hey, who's in town. Everybody's in town. It's a matter mm-hmm. of who's going to be there. And we want you to be there at supershowlive.com. Are you happy with your plug now? You know what? Uh, this is a, this is a miscalculation <laughs> on my side. Let's forget trying to make money and sell tickets and generate revenue. Let's talk about minor league baseball. Uh, hey, Conrad. So you know how WWE through the years has branded talent. Like it's, it's not a wrestler, not a wrestler. Right. It's a superstar, right? Yeah. Can I just make a suggestion? Maybe a little proposal. Sure. To Podfather. I'm for it. Um, and I say this with all due diplomacy, but you know, you just referred to a mega superstar is, we don't know who that feller is going to be. Can we sort of delete feller and fella from your, you know, uh, cacheting a talent? Well, like, Hey, we don't know who that fella's going to be. Sure. <laughs> God, I'm no, just no, no, I'm, I'm for it. I was wondering <laughs> as I, I haven't busted your balls about that yet, but you know, you always blessed by balls. I got more texts this past week and said, man, Conrad's all over you. And I go, well, wait a minute now. Hold on. Now what would he goes? Oh no, that's what makes it. I'm like, wait a minute. The story's what? No, man, you guys really laying into each other. So listen, little fella. Oh, little fella. (laughs) I'm a lot of things. Little ain't one of them. Uh, Hey, so I wanted to bust your balls about this, but we've never talked about this and I can't believe we got to hang out a little bit in St. Louis and I forgot to do it, but on your voiceover for the game changer show where they talked about, you know, I held Vince McMahon up and I left with cold, hard cash. You're painting yourself as the original outlaw and last outlaw. Either way though, you said I am the original. You put oh. an E in there. I am the original. I listened to it three or four times and I just, t- I got tickled every time. I am the original. So Robert Flores is a good buddy of mine. Roflo, he commentated Slammiversary back in 2017 ESPN. I've always marveled at not only him, but others that can enunciate these Europeans, um, yes. hockey players and soccer and, and all that, yeah. all that kind of stuff. How do you think old double J would be doing Dude, me <laughs> and you imagine you and I doing commentary on a fucking soccer match. Can you imagine <laughs> that's gold? I we got to do that. I, I didn't even get basic English, but that's okay, pal. Well, Howdy, folks, double J here. That's <laughs> J. I can see Bruce Pritchard right now going, you know, Jeff, how you doing? I go. No, Bruce, I don't. Oh, yeah, you do. Let me show. And Bruce would do it now. We're jumping down memory lane. But Bruce would do me doing double J for the first couple of times back to me. And I'm going, look at this guy. He is. That's why it makes Bruce a great producer. But, I mean, he would get into it. And I go, Bruce, I'm not really. He goes, oh, yeah. We're just going to turn that volume up about 10. So my enunciation is not one of my strong suits, pal, feller. But um, storytelling, story time is. So let's get right into baseball. No, I'm kidding. Talk baseball. Uh, no, but hey, 217, check it out. Uh, you, you, we're going to have some links and stuff. I'm sure it's going to be a good time. You know, the rumor in Innuendo is once upon a time, you might have even been considering heading out to the West Coast for uh, Super Bowl. The tougher the opponent, the more you need a game plan. BioNTech and Pfizer remind you to consider getting vaccinated against COVID 19. Do you have your Super Bowl plans pinned down yet? What's Super Bowl like uh, for Jeff Jarrett this year? You know what? Uh, man, that has been a struggle. And um, partners at Westwood, we were trying to make Media Row happen. And 
man, you talk about technical difficulties that wove even uh, in and out of that. But as far as the game, I do not have plans yet. Um, I kind of thought you and Megan were grilling steaks for myself, but if that's oh, no, 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 we invited you to the cabin in the woods a long time ago. I know you did. And you just big dog us like always. I get it. Do you, did have I, have I told you what my dad got me for Christmas? No, the, 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 not like not, not a grill, but the, like Hibachi, the, uh, Blackstone. Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to crank that up. If we get a little good weather, even if we don't have so much good weather, but I, I will be around the house. Conrad, January was one of those months. I traveled my rear end off in February, uh, starting about mid-February. It's going to crank up again, and we know how my March is going to be, and I definitely know how April's going to be, and uh, May's already shaping up. So um, I'm I'm going to enjoy my time at home. I'll just I'll say that and enjoy uh, I'll probably uh, be texting Chris Park and showing him that the Rams have just shut down Mr. Joe Montana in the making, and uh, he could just suck it. Oh, okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> let's get going. We're talking about Against All Odds 2011. Yesterday, we talked about Against All Odds 2012. Boy, what an interesting year TNA had between 11 and 12. We're coming off Genesis 11. We covered that last month in the archive, so be sure to check that out. We have a new TNA champion in Ken Anderson. Uh, you and Kurt had our double J MMA exhibition. And now unbelievably your wife, Karen is about to return as an on-screen character. And it's reported in the torch that coming off the Genesis pay-per-view, there was a lot of concern about the state of the company. Here's exactly what Wade wrote. The recent behavior of Kurt angle at the TNA Genesis pay-per-view and Jeff Hardy's issues at the TNA final resolution pay-per-view. And now the hiring of Matt Hardy have left some people within the company questioning the decisions made by management quote. Everyone was talking about it. One locker room source stated in regards to Matt Hardy's first week with the company, it was quote, Oh my God, what happened to Matt Hardy End quote, the source knew Hardy prior to his TNA debut and expressed personal concern quote. He was a different guy before now. He's just not that guy anymore. He's very hazy. He's turning into Jeff Hardy. He was always different. But Matt Hardy's in a daze. Jeff Hardy's in a daze. Kurt Angle's in a daze. And Rob Van Dam is stoned all day, end quote. The source acknowledged that each of those wrestlers have good days and bad days, but did express frustration that upper management isn't doing enough to solve the problem. Quote, Dixie just acts oblivious. The guys try to hide from her when they're messed up, but Jeff went to her when they wanted to send him home, and she said he could stay. So that's the end of the quote. That's the end of the report. But boy, if you're reading between the lines here, it looks like the perception amongst some of the folks on the inside is that man, TNA maybe needs to get their house in order. Do you remember this? You know, Conrad diving into the research, shout out to Derek. Excellent job as always, except minus the Austin three sixteen episode, but that's extenuating circumstances, but no, um, you know what they, Conrad, you know, um, looking at the research, a lot of things crystallize in my brain about this time frame, And it just smacked me in the back of the head. This was a time in my life. Uh, me and Karen had been married about a year, uh, but I was putting in more office hours than I had since startup mode that, that first couple of years I was in the office just international and live events. I was consumed by that. And of course, wife and five kids at home, all that was going on. But as it relates to the majority of all that we're going to talk about today, 
I say this, I was just talent. I, I, I would, I wouldn't get formats ahead of time. I was literally show up and sort of, here's what's going on. Of course I had conversations with Russo and we'll get into that. He would reach, but just like he reached out to a bunch of other talent, but, um, I don't remember anything about Kurt. Um, I have a Wade reported not being a good frame of mind. Uh, me and Matt Hardy, since all this, you know, we've had our ups and downs, but we're in a great place now, but you know, I, him coming in, Matt was at a, a, a low place in his life. But at the time, I, I wasn't, you know, later some legal situations came up. But at the time when he first came in, I wasn't, I was oblivious to that. But it was none of my business. I showed up and did my job uh, th- through as a talent. Uh, and then Jeff, you know, he's always had the roller coaster of that. And uh, <laughs> diplomatically, RVD has always been RVD. Like, Nothing has changed with him. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? What interferes with your happiness? Check out betterhelp.com slash my world. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They'll allow you to connect in a safe and private online environment. It really is so convenient. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and they've even got financial aid available. The service is available for clients worldwide. Find the particular expertise you need online. Don't limit yourself to counselors located near you. By the way, licensed professional counselors are also there who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and even self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential. It's convenient. It's professional. It's affordable. And we recommend you check out their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com. And by the way, BetterHelp has been such a sensation and so helpful across all of America that they're now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash my world. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp. Help is H-E-L-P dot com slash my world. That's betterhelp.com slash my world. That's better H-E-L-P dot com slash my world. And we thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about, protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, and just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half, and I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance, if you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance 
super easy. Goliath Life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes, and you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath Life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath Life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Well, something else is changing. Karen is returning to TV after a two-year absence. Um, she's going to be a part of the ongoing feud between yourself and Kurt Angle. And of course, this is all part of the fallout from the Genesis pay-per-view. And Wade would say TNA is playing up the idea of quote, real life tension end quote between Jarrett and angle related to Karen's divorce from angle and subsequent marriage to Jarrett. And the tagline is a very special family reunion. All right, Jeff, we've never really got into this. So uh, how does this come to be? Whose idea is it to bring Karen to TV? Is this your idea? Is this something Dixie pitches? How how does Karen come back to TV? (laughs) That's almost a joke. Did you, you didn't really something Dixie pitches now, come on. And that, that is really the leaping off point of this entire episode in that I will never forget this phone call from Vince Russo. Never because in uh, uh, 2010, I don't want to say I kind of floundered, but I did, you know, Hogan had come in and Dixie had gone to her father and, you know, our profit in 2009 and 2008. And now, you know, she had made the big power play and spent a ton of money. And in 2010, there was no ROI. Matter of fact, it was just a whole lot more of expenses on the books. Well, as the end of 2010 and year in rolled around um, and, and looking at, okay, this happened in 2010. It's the old YTD year to date and Y O Y year over year. When you looked at 2009 versus 2010, it wasn't pretty. It was, it just, it wasn't. And the ratings were not up. They weren't really down, but they were still anywhere from 1.3 or 4 million to 1.6 or 7 million sort of in that window. So Russo called me and said, Hey, uh, now, to defend Russo a little bit here or a lot, whatever, he knew the reality. He knew as well as anybody that um, there was no animosity between me, Kurt, and Karen, that we were raising Kurt and Karen's kids in my house. And, um, you know, Kurt had visited the house and did a Halloween one year. And I don't know if it was this year or whatever, but it, there was no real life drama. Was it Shangri-La and all that kind of crap? No. But it was, hey, Jeff, and here's Russo, we've got an idea. And I go, oh, yeah, sure, Vince. What did Dixie say about this? She's on board. I said, okay. What about Hulk? He doesn't care. He won't. And I'm like, so what's the real story? And he goes, bro, ratings, bro. I'm like, oh, so you're circling back to this. Yes, we are. And I said, well, I think the most important decision maker right here is Kurt. Where's Kurt stand? I've had the conversation. He's up for it. I said, okay, 
then we, you probably need to do your job. And, you know, Karen is going to get paid and work out her own deal and contract and all that. So we had to work out the payments and all that kind of stuff. And that was done with Vince and Dixie. And I don't remember all the specifics, but the thing that just shined a light into it, it's no secret. I was oblivious to how deep it was, but Dixie despised Karen. And for her to bring Karen on as a character of the show, I went, this is really interesting. So Vince made the call. Wait a minute. Dixie despised Karen. Yes. I knew that. I know that now. I didn't know that then. Uh, Why do you say that? Where does that come from? I've never heard that. You've never told me that. Well, some things I don't tell you, (laughs) but I mean, when this, when this, when I saw this, because that's what came out of that phone call with, with Russo, I'm like, okay, so you got to, you know, you're calling me, but at the end of the day, I'm a talent. And what am I going to say? No. I mean, yeah, but you know, if my kids aren't involved, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, let's go do a job, but you got a lot of other decision makers in this. We can make it work. I've seen in my entire career, seen lots of quote unquote, uncomfortable situations, but you know, and, and people would come to me and tell me different things and my delusional optimism. Oh no, Dixie didn't say that. Oh yeah, she did. And, and, and again, Conrad, I, what I know now I had no idea back then. So I'm looking at it 10 years removed from this, but she didn't like her from day one. Well, just to get us back on track, you know, there's lots of uh, rumor and innuendo out there, but just to set the record straight, this was all business. This was all creative. You know, I, I know they're saying they're, they're playing off the quote unquote real life heat, but there is no real life heat. You, you, incur, you incurred her fine. Yeah. And, and. What's interesting is I feel like we get peppered with those questions on both Kurt's show and your show here, but you know, we're not here to talk about everybody's personal lives. We're here to talk about business, but there it is. There, there was and is no heat. Uh, the, 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 Jeff and Kurt are fine and, and have been the whole time. So, you know, it's just life. It's weird that people want to, and I get it. We're in this gossip clickbait TMZ culture, but that's just not reality. But I, and I've said this so many times, um, even with the Dixie storyline or a sting storyline, or even the Hogan storyline or whatever storyline, if you can take a shred of reality and the real reality was of the Kurt, Karen, uh, Jeff situation, sure. It's reality based. I mean, it's, it's the, 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 there is reality, but if you can take a shred of it and then blow it up to the umpteenth degree. Generally, you make really good television. I mean, look at the NWO angle. Hogan was WWF. Hall and Nash were WWF. They came down and invaded the Southern Wrestling promotion and were taken over, the New World over. Bingo, it clicked. For a lot of other reasons, but still, it was a, a, a shred of reality. How was Karen? Was Karen receptive to being an on-screen character? Did she like the idea and the creative? Uh, is that something she's comfortable with? Yeah. I mean, you look at her work in, um, what would that be? End of 08, 09, um, or 08, whenever that was with AJ and those kind of, uh, you know, when she came in the first time, she's a hell of a performer. And I know that sounds, and yes, I am biased, but, uh, our buddy 83 weeks, Mr. Bischoff has complimented her, but Karen is a really good actress and, um, knows 
she grew up and understood, you know, she grew up as a wrestling fan, like all of us, but also understood. And she was a fan of Sherry Martell and Miss Elizabeth. And so just watching it as, as a fan and her and her grandfather, uh, the grandfather that just, uh, recently passed, he was a wrestling fan. So he got to watch it. So Karen understood from a character point of view. And, um, and then she, that's some of the things people don't know about Karen is when she's given a task and, and, and no matter what it is, but in this role, she really, really wanted to do her very, very best. And, you know, her and Russo, they had a good relationship on, on producer and talent. And so she, she loved it and, and dove into the character. Let's talk about, uh, some other news that's uh, going on in this era. There's reports in the torch that Angelina from the Jersey shore might be coming in to work with cookie here in TNA cookie. We know is Becky Bayless. Uh, what'd you think of that idea? Let's, let's siphon off some of the pop culture of, uh, of the Jersey shore. Again, me not in day to day or even weekly, uh, contact with, with spike. I knew it was somewhat Viacom driven MTV and, and all that, but I wasn't Conrad. I had, you know, very little knowledge of any of this. Let's, uh, let's keep it going. And let's talk about some things that you might be familiar with. Uh, your, your boy, Stevie Richards tweets that after a conversation with Vince Russo and Terry Taylor, he's going to move on from TNA. We don't really talk about Stevie a lot, but do you know what led to him leaving TNA? I love Stevie and, and I would have to say, look, this is, this is straight opinion. I have no firsthand knowledge, but he didn't fit in the Dixie Hogan wheelhouse. I got the, the long and short of it. That's observation. Um, kind of just a, a, a cumulative, uh, viewpoint of, we know he, he wasn't a Hogan guy or wasn't a Dixie guy. I think that would be the short, the shortest answer I can give you, pal fella. Helmets, shoulder pads, mouthpieces, vaccinations. BioNTech and Pfizer remind you that football season is at its best when you help protect yourself. Well, let's talk about uh, the idea that TNA is going to be taking impact on the road. It's the first time they've left Universal Studios here, and they're going to Fayetteville, North Carolina. Of course, Ric Flair is a part of the roster now. You've got both of the Hardys. So this feels like a no-brainer. What do you think of the decision to uh, book Fayetteville, North Carolina? Today or at the time? At the time. Yeah. Um, I didn't know how much it was driven by Spike. I knew that there was a really big initiative on, got to get the ratings up, got to get the ratings up, got to get the ratings up. So I've, I've never been a believer that location drives a rating, but I kind of understood the method that they were angling. But um, again, you know, conversations with Dean Broadhead and everything that went with it, um, early in those discussions, um, again, I'm, I'm international and live events, but I did ask Dean is spike kicking any production money. No. Okay. That's, that's an issue. Let's, uh, talk about El Generico, believe it or not. Uh, he's going to have a dark match against the amazing red. Of course, these days, allegedly he's, uh, also known as Sami Zayn. I don't think anybody's ever officially confirmed they're the same person, but it's crazy. It's crazy to think 11 years ago, maybe there was a shot to bring him into TNA. Did you happen to see the dark match against red? I, I didn't Me, Sammy and everybody. Well, I don't know everybody. I'm a huge Sami Zayn fan. I think. 
he is, and I don't want to call him a throwback because that, that sounds like, Oh, he missed his opportunity, but he has the unique and uncanny ability to work with anyone at any level with multiple styles. Uh, but no, El Generico, I was, I, I do remember him being there, but I didn't know anything about Sammy Zane. Um, and, and again, I show up to Orlando and most of the time I had on my agenda, first and foremost, being a talent. Uh, second, I always kept good relationships with Universal Studios, but also had, you know, what can I, what would be on my to-do list as far as international needs or live event uh, discussions? Let's hit. So I wasn't looking at dark matches. No, sure. I get it. What are you waiting for? Hurry up and go to savewithconrad.com. Hurry up and start saving money. That's what we're talking about. Keeping more of your own money. That really is what we do with savewithconrad.com. How's this for starters? No house payments for two months. And when it comes time for you to start making payments two months from now, it's going to be the best deal you ever had. You see, not only are we going to get you the best interest rate you ever had, we're also going to help you get out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. Now you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. But if you're in a 30 year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much. And I'm sure, you know, by now your house is worth more than ever before. Why not use that newfound equity to get rid of your private mortgage insurance? That PMI, as we like to call it, could save you hundreds of dollars each and every month, and you could be paying it unnecessarily. Stop giving your money away. Get rid of your PMI, get the best rate you ever had. And Hey, if you've got credit card debt, what are you doing? The average interest rate is over 19% on credit cards in America, and you know, you can do better than that. Plus the interest you pay on a credit card is not tax deductible. So not only can we get you a better rate, but a greater tax deduction too. If you can get a lower monthly payment and a greater tax deduction and save tens of thousands of dollars by paying your house off faster, why wouldn't you hurry? Find out how much money you can save for free at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And that's right. Don't forget, skip your next two payments at savewithconrad.com. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have your best uh, rating coming off of Genesis. It's a 1.25. Your best since Bound for Glory 2010. And the show opens with a weird interview with Ken Anderson right after he won the title. And he says, the belt he won isn't the TNA World Championship. It's a piece of shit that Jeff Hardy drew. I could probably stick a crayon in my ass, squat over a piece of paper and draw a better picture than this. What, what, what's up with that? Hmm. Conrad, I mean, I wish I had something positive to say. I just remember going, okay, I get that. You don't like the Jeff Hardy belt and rightly or wrongly. So, but is there a better way to phrase that? Uh, yeah. And we've always said things that, uh, maybe we could have done better phrasing. Um, and you don't know the story behind the story, but yeah, that had a lot of bad taste all over it coming out of it. But again, I've said a thousand things that come out the wrong way, but I don't know if it was scripted by Russo or Hogan or Dixie. I don't know. I really don't. Or just Ken. In his first promo, he talks about busting his ass for six and a half years, eating peanut butter and jelly and ramen noodles, but they finally achieved his dream and got hired over there. And of course the crowd boos. And at first he had a rocket ship up his ass and he beat 10 former champions and he was destined to be a world champion. 
quote, but then a little birdie got inside the boss's ear and said, Hey, I think uh, Kenny might be a little funny. I don't think he's ready for it. And the torch would say he imitated triple H's voice. He said all this stuff he's been doing. He was told not to do. He said he was told how to walk, talk and dress. He said he was even told to not chew gum on his way to the ring because that was too hokey. But he said, this is me. And he said, Bischoff, uh, called him and said, they'd let him be him. And he said that Bischoff, Dixie, Hogan, and Russo had allowed him to be quote, the asshole I am today. And the crowd starts chanting asshole, asshole. And he says, oh, and by the way, this asshole just became the TNA world heavyweight champion. So what do you think of that promo? Is this bad scripting? Did he need to cut this type of promo on triple H and WWE? Is this his idea? Russo's idea? I mean, this to me doesn't quote unquote draw money. I don't know what we're doing here. Inside baseball is Conrad Thompson. It is. And, and it, you know, again, this is, we're talking about something that happened 10 years ago and we often, that's the basis of our uh, podcast, but, um, what's the upside, right. You know, to, to knocking triple H or the other guys or any of that, um, you know, it, it, it is what it is, but I'll just say the very top level stuff was inside baseball, unless it's going to land on a mark in your current storyline, I don't see it. And I didn't see this landing on a mark. So from there, Matt Morgan's going to come out and give a mutual admiration. And he leaves uh, Eric Bischoff to come out and say, there's no way he's going to let Anderson be the champion in three weeks. Uh, Jeff Hardy gets his rematch and Hulk Hogan's going to return. And then Jeff Hardy appears on the screen, but he's attacked by Rob Van Dam. And then Matt Hardy attacks Rob Van Dam and Anderson runs from the ring to the back where Flair, Abyss, Rob Terry, Kazarian, and, uh, beer money overwhelm them and leaving them laying. So you've got, I don't know, this is supposed to be a celebration to highlight Anderson's title win, but there's 12 or 13 characters. Is this just too much of the good stuff? As we like to say in the South, you know, uh, again, going to, through the research, look at the names. It's so and, loaded, it, dude. So loaded. It's unbelievable. So I get, um, the mentality is, is that stars draw eyeballs, but you know, so does the story. And in 09, we had stars, but, uh, you know, stories that I think were the main driver. And here, what you just sort of laid out, it was a celebration or was it not a celebration? But, man, it's loaded with star talent across the board. These episodes that we're going to get into, my gosh, <laughs> a lot of money being spent, a lot of stars, but whoo. Well, it just feels like a ready, shoot, aim approach. I mean, the Hardys are going to team up here for the first time in three years on this show, but that's not promoted ahead of time. To me, that feels like something you could have promoted for weeks. You know, in four weeks, the Hardys are back together in the same ring. Don't miss it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Three weeks, two weeks. Well, it's finally here. And instead it's just, oh yeah, here they are. I know you hadn't seen them in three years, but they're here. And now they're going to wrestle. You know, the, the five-headed monster that, uh, I've alluded to, you know, when you have, you really had five major decision makers at this time, uh, in in TNA, Dixie, Hogan, Russo, Bruce, and Eric, and Jason Hervey was Eric's partner. But, you know, then you had talent suggestions 
uh, that were coming a mile a minute. Very, very difficult to manage continuity and storytelling and all the above. So beer money is going to retain the tag titles over motor city machine guns. It's a really good eight minute television match. Those four in the ring, man, this is all that's right about TNA here. I mean, really great in ring performers. And then we see a video package here on the whole Jarrett and Kurt triangle, if you will. Uh, backstage, Jeff with Karen by his side will complain about angle cinching on his holds a little too tight for an exhibition. So he decided <laughs> to retaliate in round three and hurt him. That didn't have to happen, but it did. He said, Jared said tonight, he's going to go in the ring and hang up his MMA boots undefeated. He said he wouldn't do it any other way than with his bride with him. And of course, Jared asked Karen not to lose her temper. She said, she's as cool as a cucumber and Jared rubbed his forehead and made a face that said. She definitely isn't usually a cool cucumber elsewhere angle smiling and said they had some catching up to do. So uh, this is some fun TV for what it is. Is it not? So, um, catching up on some clips over at impact plus and, and, and all that kind of good stuff. And as a part of the research, I've just Kurt's facials and, um, Karen's facials and the delivery and you know, the, the, the shoot part of this is that I actually did retire undefeated in MMA. It, it just, uh, no kidding. Um, it, it was a lot of fun. The, 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 this story, um, you know, outside of the matches and Kurt beating the shit out of me, but no, but no, the, it was, it was a, uh, a simple story. I'll say that it wasn't convoluted and I was, I always thought that was the best route. And I think Kurt did too. And I, Russo did too. Let's keep this simple. Um, and, and, and let the emotion come out and the delivery of the lines. And Kurt was great during this entire story. Just phenomenal. So, uh, the torch would say Jarrett's ring entrance took place as the first hour ended. And Taz said, this whole situation is just uncomfortable. And they've implied the heck out of what happened with these three without ever just spelling it out. Jarrett accompanied by team Jarrett said he stands in the ring, ready to celebrate with the great career of an MMA fighter. He said, he's never been taken down and was never close to submitting in one of his fights. And he said, he just made an example out of Kurt angle. He could have permanently injured angle on Sunday, but he chose not to. He said he has nothing left to prove. He said behind every great warrior and fierce competitor and a hell bent mercenary and man of war, there's always a great woman. And with that, Jarrett introduced Karen, but instead angle walked out and angle took out one member of team Jarrett after another on his way to the ring with the punches. He suplexed a few in the ring and then he cornered Jarrett. Karen walked out screaming, stop, stop. She said she sat at home for two years while angle played games with their personal lives. And she insisted angle not turn his back on her. Jarrett joined Karen on the stage. She yelled that Kurt would not steal joy from their lives one more day. And he said the entire world will hear what she has to say next week. Quote, make sure you're dressed for the occasion because it'll be a night you never forget. And Wade would say that was pretty short, but it makes sense. If you're going to do this, give people a week's notice. So what do you think on that in hindsight? What specifically? Cause I, I could go off on a rabbit hole that you don't want me to well, go. Just, I don't know. just the creative of we're going to tease the confrontation. 
but then we're actually just going to set it up for the next week and the reintroduction of Karen. I mean, I agree. You don't want to necessarily hate to use an industry word hot shot. This, it makes sense to stretch it out and get as much mileage out of it as you can. I'm all on get all on board for that. But I am curious, like when you're in the ring and it's happening, did it feel like that was the right choice or would you have booked it a different way? Patience, patience on all this, because I I'm a big believer that nobody knew. I would say nobody, the general masses didn't know the ins and outs and didn't really care. It was okay. So you got to let Tanae and Taz, you got to let the narrators and you got to let some time and, you know, early days of social media, but just like, and I don't you know, Dutch used to always use the terminology, set the hook. This wasn't even, this is really just throwing the line in the water to use an efficient analogy, just kind of set the table and there's no new, no need to do anything else. If if you're going to grow that massive Oak tree uh, of a storyline and have acorns fall off of it and continue to grow, continue to go, you've, you've really got to plant the seed and let it sink in and just sort of make the ingredients and bake the cake and just give it a second. And I thought we did that. I thought we did that several times during this entire storyline. I know we're not getting all into it today and the cage match and all that. We're just sticking on this one, but I thought we did a good time, a a good job. Um, And Russo, look, he's the one that, that was right in the middle of this, that we took our time on all this. So backstage, we're going to see Matt Hardy talking to his brother, Jeff saying, we need to focus on making money, stepping on people and taking what we want. And I don't know that we ever saw the, uh, the big money, Matt gimmick here in TNA, but this feels like the precursor for it. Was this the right use of the Hardys now that they're back together as heels? It feels like to me, man, people just want to cheer them. Why wouldn't they be baby faces? And that's, you know, like we just touched on beer money, James storm. And Bobby Roode in real life could not really be any more different. They're just, you know, they, their upraising was different. They're just different. But you put them together as a team and cosmetically, and you can see a cowboy and, and sort of a guy who's, you know, a Canadian. They just had the different vibe. Same with Matt Jeff. Although they're two brothers from North Carolina, they really are in real life just their personalities are incredibly different, but you put them together as a team, especially with the WWE machine behind it. And they were just so mega over. And, you know, during this time frame, they tried to make uh, Hardy a heel. Um, but there's just something about the charismatic enigma that people love. And so Matt as a heel and you were seeing success now and have seen, you know, he can be a heel, but Jeff Hardy as a heel, I haven't seen work uh, to the level. So if you're going to have Jeff Hardy in the equation, you got to keep them baby faces. And they were, you know, kind of swimming upstream. But I understood it. And and probably going back to that balance sheet that we talked about last week, heels and baby faces, probably more of a need for heel at this time. You know, between your photos, your finances, your devices, and your connection, really your world's more online than ever. And maybe you have security systems in place in real life, but what about your online life? Aura can help sound the alarm if your digital presence is at risk. Here's what we're talking about. Aura provides digital security protection to keep your online finances, your personal information, and tech safe from online threats. It's an all-in-one protection from identity theft, financial fraud, malware, scam sites, and so much more. 
With Aura, you'll get alerted to fraud and threats fast. Like if your online accounts or passwords were leaked online, or if someone tries to open a bank account in your name. Aura is easy to set up. All the plans come with a million dollars in identity theft insurance to help recover your stolen funds. And they have an experienced US-based customer support team that's got your back. Aura is the new type of security service that protects all of your online information and devices in one simple subscription. With an easy online dashboard and alerts sent straight to your phone, Aura keeps you in control and guides you through solving any issues. For a limited time, Aura is offering our listeners up to 40% off plans when you visit Aura.com slash MyWorld. That's A-U-R-A.com slash MyWorld to get complete protection and savings of up to 40%. That's Aura.com slash MyWorld. That's A-U-R-A.com slash MyWorld to get complete protection and savings of up to 40%. Check it out. Aura.com slash MyWorld. All right. So listen, guys, don't wait until it's too late. If you think you might be losing your hair at some point in the future, the best option is to keep your current hair, get in front of this thing. And here's the reality. Two out of three men experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. In fact, more than 50 million men here in America suffer from male pattern baldness. And believe it or not, there are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss and keeps offers both. I have to admit, I didn't think this was in my future until this past April. I saw my dad started to get a little thin and I started to worry, what do I need to do? And then I remembered, oh yeah, keeps. You see, keeps offers a simple stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications will be delivered straight to your door every three months, meaning you don't have to leave your home. It's also low cost. Treatment started just $10 per month and keeps offers generic versions. It comes in discreet packaging and they have proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Now prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see the results. So act fast. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Jarrett to receive your first month of treatment free. That's keeps.com slash Jarrett to start your first month free. That's keeps.com slash Jarrett. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Jarrett. There's another they angle as Crimson is shown backstage choking out Abyss saying they are coming for Immortal. And it's reported in the Observer. The big news is that they is going to be the return of the main event mafia. The idea is to be Sting, Kurt Angle, Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner, and Booker T. I've also heard Bobby Lashley's name mentioned by those in the company. Those involved with Lashley's business say there's nothing new on his front and didn't think anything was up with TNA. Lashley is a free agent as his strike force contract expired with his loss to Chad Griggs. And he hasn't signed with anyone since. So chat me up this whole, they thing. Um, is this just Russo's thing that, that he really liked? Did you know the plan for this up front? What can you tell us about they and the main event mafia? Just a little sidebar. Think about who we're talking about right now. Yeah. Think Bobby about- Lashley. Yep. Ending a strike force deal. Yep. Not in TNA. Yep. Not, I mean, we're, yeah, we're going back 10 years, but still not that. And look at where he's at today. Yep. Pretty the almighty. Uh, it's just a sidebar that we won't, but anyway, that's pretty cool. But, um, Conrad, I was not aware of, of, of any of this. Um, I just wasn't about they, and again, I didn't even get formats until, and uh, I did here. 
that I was told, uh, I mean, that Vince was told, do not send Jeff formats. And that came from Dixie. Yes. Gotcha. Well, uh, and, and look, I've, I've just, look, it's my world. It's the podcast. Um, but you know, I, I, I couldn't tell by your facial expression there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's how out of the loop I was creatively on anything else. Do you remember the Ric Flair situation in Europe? I wasn't like there, in, in, but I do remember. <laughs> let, let, let me recap what happened here. Yeah, I was going to say. It's one of TNA's most ambitious European tours. It's called the Ric Flair Woo Tour. We've got nine dates scheduled, uh, you know, from France on down. And this is the tour where Ric Flair pulls out. And the bus leaves him. And allegedly it all stemmed from him not being given a draw for the remaining dates. And I think as the story goes, Flair was, uh, notorious once upon a time for when he's out hanging out nation. Occasionally as the, uh, night comes to an end, he would say, Hey, throw it on my card. And if he's over his daily limit, he would say, no big deal. I'll just get a draw. He'd bring up Gary Juster. Gary Juster comes down in his pajamas, hands him some cash. Uh, it, it's still, it's Ric Flair's money. He's just getting it in advance because in this era, and especially in that era, it's not like you were paid at the end of the night. These days you go to an indie show and you do your match and you get a check. Or if you're Jeff, you get your check up front, whatever. Oh, but, stop but, it. But the point, well, you would get a check from the box office. I know you, I know how your tricks <laughs> are. The, the point is though, the guy does have the money coming and, and he has owed the cash, but it's a function of that's probably not standard operating procedure. You know, you get a check in your mailbox. That's the way this normally works. And so supposedly as the legend goes, TNA said, no, we're not doing that. And Rick may be feeling a little embarrassed, maybe a little pissed off, maybe feeling like he didn't like the way things were going says, nope, I'm out. And the bus just leaves him. That's the story that we fans have heard. What can you tell us? And it's uh, one of the things that I just, this is, I don't want to say it's a chuckle moment, but it's like, I don't, I think the more accurate answer is it's not no, it's we really can't do this. Like Craig Jenkins was a tour manager. How is he supposed to conjure up this money? It just wasn't doable. So it's, not even back to Nashville, it's back to Dallas. I don't know how wonky it got, but when I heard of, and, and you know, there was multiple, um, I don't want to say decision makers, but there was a lot of people weighing in on leave him, don't leave him, leave him, don't leave him. And they pulled out. I went, well, there's that <laughs> on the woohoo tour. Um, man, Conrad, 2011 TNA. I just have to add those three letters, LOL. It just come on. And this international tour was that's uh, we won't go there unless you want to just, it was set up, um, too ambitious, but it was, we've got to create revenue. The business side is, Hey, we've got to create revenue. I'm like, guys, you ain't going to create it in France and Germany. You're not period. Our TV is not strong enough. And you can only run so many days in the, so many dates in England. Anyways. The next week, January 20th, uh, impact gets a 1.15 rating. So it's down from the week before, but it opens with Kirk coming out to set the record straight. 
And, uh, boy, he is the sympathetic baby face. You are definitely the heel. Uh, the music plays team Jarrett walks out. They're all trying to gang up on angle angles, fending them off Tanae and Taz are saying that Karen and Jeff are on their way to the arena and angle shouting over the mic, Jeff, Jeff, Jarrett, is that all you got? Come on, bring it. The immortal theme song plays. And here comes Eric Bischoff and Ric Flair. They cross their arms and just glare at angle. Then they break a smile and out walk the police who order angle out of the building. This is some interesting creative. Um, what'd you think of this? You know, who was a part of team Jarrett? I do not. A one member, Sam Shaw. Oh, wow. There you go. And, uh, another member, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of his WWE recent name, but it's a uh, Phil shatter. Um, Jackson Riker. Is that right? Jackson Riker gunner. It, it, yeah. Gunner. That, yeah. But yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, anyhow, though, they were two of the guys. When I saw some of the clips back, you just think about guys that get in the industry and they were once a part of team Jarrett in this illustrious role, but then they roll along and Sam Shaw, we've worked together on a couple of projects. I love Sam. Anyhow. Um, yeah, uh, again, an episodic nature. And this was really just set up to give Jeff and Karen the ability to go have their in ring, but cover, uh, Kurt's ass that he's been removed from the building because if we're out there and he's not beating your ass. Yeah. It looks weird. Yeah. That's what it was. It's episodic nature storytelling. And it goes without saying what I think about Mr. Bischoff's delivery and on-screen character. He's classic and just, he can, he can say very few words and get the point across. Who is uh, helping put together the creative like Kurt's promo here, where he's really throwing you and specifically Karen under the bus. How, how does that, who's giving him the verbiage for that? Is this a Russo thing? Is Russo, he sinking his Russo, teeth in? Yeah. Russo, yeah. That's my recollection, but I'm almost positive. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't know who has helping. I don't know if Conway, I, I don't know who's helping Vince, but Vince for sure. Again, to be clear, um, uh, what we're saying happened in storyline is not what happened in real life. And oftentimes listeners and fans will sort of conflate the two and think, oh no, that's really what happened. Well, that's not really what happened that way. It's a lot more fun that way from a viewer. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Listen, I, I, I wanted to believe that you were the world's biggest asshole. And then I started working with you and I knew I was, I was correct all along. Anyway, the the point is for real though, uh, are you guys having to like give a speech to friends and extended family? Like, Hey, now guys, this is just entertainment or does everybody kind of know, ah, it's just wrestling. So, I mean, it, 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 I'm just trying to think during that time during my life. I mean, it goes without saying the kids and my father's in the industry and anybody that I ran into, um, it was new and fresh and you know, I was from a personal point of view, I, I, I'd gotten remarried, trying to put my life back together. Everybody that was around for those couple of years knew that from a personal point of view, it wasn't a lot of fun. It was, it was a challenge. So a lot of, you know, I'll, I'll say non-wrestling folks, they were so elated that I was putting my life back together, but you know, it's a transition. Um, so I, I, I didn't have to, I didn't, I never felt, I, I don't need to justify my wrestling storyline. Now I can't speak for Kurt and, 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 and any of, you know, what he went back to Pittsburgh with, but not really Conrad. I, I, I see the question you're asking, but no, there, there wasn't any of that. And the folks backstage, 
although they may or may not question it to our face, the, and I, I can remember telling Karen, look, until they see it, of course they're going to think craziness. Yeah. But it didn't take long to, you know, in catering and there's seven or eight tables back there and, 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 you know, we're eating catering together or beside each other. And then, you know, during the summer that came up, we took our kids to the parks and universal studios. I mean, it's, it was a dysfunctional blended non-dysfunctional normal every every day just our day jobs are a little different uh, we're not bankers we're we're wrestlers <laughs> I, I i'm glad we're sort of getting to debunk this because lord we've been peppered with these questions and it's like guys that's entertainment you know that hulk hogan wasn't really trying to steal randy savage's wife uh in real uh, that's it's it's not real do you, get, you know because i don't obviously do you get peppered on kurtz oh man on both shows all the time and it's like guys we'll, we'll talk about the angle but there's nothing to discuss they want yeah. there to be this salacious you know sure and, and that's just not reality TMZ. yeah it's tmz yeah tmz yes. generation well i'm going to take it one step further i can't give uh tmz all the credit the world of twitter yeah and I'm not going to get into the vaccine conversation or the political conversation that didn't do anybody good, but just the narrative and watching, it's just like, folks, do you realize what you just put out there? Yeah. It's, 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 you are putting out anyway, what a mess, what a wacky world we live in. But uh, so here's the write up from the torch. Karen and Jarrett walked to the ring. Jarrett told the fans what they're witnessing is not only a caring wife and loving mother, but also a woman who's just as beautiful on the inside as on the outside. Uh, and the crowd is being all kinds of ugly here, chanting mean things. And he's saying uh, he being you that Karen is a victim of Kurt angle. And then she cuts a promo and she says she has a presentation ready for the fans. And, um, anyway, she's trying to curry oh, whatever soup. Of the, what's that? Yeah. It's where, I mean, the whole premise of this was is and I maybe the words we even use all of a sudden Karen is gonna have a tell-all interview it gets numbers it just gets numbers it has nothing to do with five-star matches and collar and elbow lockup it's oh my god Karen I mean people wanted to buy it in they wanted to believe and we're gonna hear some good shit and then Kurt Angle charges out gives you a back suplex uh, Karen winds up to hit him, but he brushes her off, goes face to face with her. She slaps him and he just slowly backs her up. Jarrett recovers, gives uh angle, a low blow from behind. And then Jarrett's pounding on angle as Karen circled him with a satisfied smile. And then they left with the, uh, without the quote unquote, tell all dirt session that Karen had promised. And Karen asked Taz if he liked that as uh, she's walking up the ramp. So. Well, so, hell, Conrad, we would have done the tell-all had Kurt not ruined it. I mean, storytelling, yeah. storytelling, it's, it's great. good stuff, man. It is. You keep teasing, 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 and and we don't ever really get it. But we gave him action. Yeah. Um, Jeff Hardy winds up beating Tommy Dreamer in five minutes. Uh, it's been documented in recent weeks how tired and exhausted he is. Are we keeping him out there just because it's what's best for ratings? And why him and Tommy Dreamer? It just seems weird. I would assume so again, not to get, uh, I, I wasn't granular in the details. I didn't know anything, but look, 10 years removed, 30,000 viewpoint. Tommy dreamers, not a Hulk Hogan guy, not a Dixie Carter guy. It, they had moved on from that. 
This is silly, but angle is going to destroy AJ styles and Ric Flair after Ric Flair. And yes, this is real Smirnoff iced AJ. Now you may remember back in this era, you would hand someone a Smirnoff ice and they had to take a knee and chug it or some silly shit like that. And that happens. And then, uh, of course, Kurt angle destroys them. He demands you in the ring. Go ahead. You got a Smirnoff ice story. Well, I just, okay. Rumor has it that at one time I could pop a few. I've heard that. I've never seen it, but I've heard it. <laughs> so I had no idea about the smart. What'd you call it? It's, it's a uh, being smart off, be nice, be nice. Yeah. They hand you that. Yeah. So backstage, I remember like, what of the, I had Conrad, if you could have t- taken a picture and guys laughed at me, like of all people, you don't, I'm like, no pal, if it's not, uh, a Coors Light uh, label. I don't have a clue what you're talking about, but uh, that was so out of the blue. And when you really sort of drill down into, of all people, AJ Styles, yeah. why? Yeah, that, it, it just caught me off guard back then. But anyway, sorry to interrupt, but I just remember having seeing this segment live backstage, going, "What are they doing? What, where where is this coming from?" But anyhow. Well, backstage flares yelling at Jarrett that he loves him and his wife to death, but he's not a part of this thing he has with angle and Bischoff tries to calm him down and says, I've got it handled. Flair says angle is off his rocker. Jarrett said he knows it. And Bischoff said, trust me, I've got your back. And he tells him, tells him to go to the ring and Flair says, go meet your maker. And, uh, of course, this is also the same era where we've got brother Devon and bully Ray feuding. Mm. And then the main event segment. It's going to be Kurt Angle brawling with a mortal. Quote Angle stood in the ring as Jarrett waved Gunner and Murphy to the ring to attack Angle. Angle took care of them, and then Jarrett joined in the fun, and now they're triple teaming Angle. Angle makes a comeback a minute later and clears the ring of Gunner and Murphy. And then he put Jarrett in a rear naked choke. Karen ringed, ran to ringside and yelled for Kurt to stop. She tried to pull Jarrett's arm. Kaz, Beer Money, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, Flair, Styles, and Terry all ran out and make the save. Then Abyss walked onto the stage and held his arms out. Then he fell forward and Janice was shown sticking into his back. Red's little brother walked out with a suit and yelled at immortal February 3rd. They're coming. The heels in the ring asked for more details, but then Kurt made a comeback and everyone scurried out of the ring to close the show. What is going on? There's 900 people here and man, this storyline's crossing over into that storyline. This is hard to keep up with now. I can't imagine what you were thinking when it's happening. Like, wait a minute, we got a hot angle and we're pivoting to something else. What are we doing? You know, it's too many. I mean, it's look, I'm stating the obvious, the Janice abyss storyline inserted into this, it watered down both and it was flat as hell. I don't say flat as hell because maybe the people responded but for, for me, I always many, many times would have a sidebar with Tanae and he would come up to me and we would like, okay, what are we actually selling here? Are we selling the Jeff Karen Kurt story? Or are we selling the Biz story? Because you can't sell both at the same time. You just can't. No matter how much Russo would want to argue, uh, and I'm not saying we argued on this point of view is, but I, I think that is something that Vince McMahon uh, I'll say definitely in, in the heyday, it's laser focusing on this story and this story only. We didn't hear. 
so the January 27th episode of impact, uh, features another high point in ratings 1.28. Is this the creative that we were just sort of poking fun at? Is it, is it Ken Anderson? Is it Matt Hardy debuting? Is it you and Kurt? Uh, I don't know, but we've got an uptick and somehow flair goes crazy after a brawl and, uh, crimson saves and makes a match. And I'm not even sure he's in a role to do so, but it's TNA. So I guess anybody can. Kurt Angle's now reinstated, so it's going to be Angle and Crimson against you, Rob Terry, Kazarian, Gunner, and whoever else. It's the first time Angle has wrestled on Impact in three months, and it feels like if we're armchair quarterbacking, this could have been better promoted and structured, could it not? Yeah. Again, um, we're in January, January through April's TV season. Um, we've got a lot of star power all over the show. Um, I'm biased, but maybe not so much. Just I thought the Kurt Karen Jeff storyline was by far the, the the most compelling. Um, but man, it was twenty pounds of crap into a ten pound bag. We got Dixie out next. She's going to be doing an interview saying that uh, uh, Bischoff has confirmed that Hulk will be back next week. So we're we're hyping a lot of stuff for the following week. Uh, Mr. Anderson and Matt Hardy are one-on-one. It only goes four minutes and six seconds. And the handicap match with the immortal versus Kurt and Crimson starts out, starts without you at the ring. Uh, you appear once James storm feels like he's hit Kurt with a super kick and Kurt's down, but then eventually you hit him with the stroke and, uh, the first referee goes down. So here comes a new one. Jackson James slides in and it's a one, two, three. And Kurt's back, uh, backup is nowhere to be found, uh, but Morgan comes out for help. And then here comes Scott Steiner with his main event mafia garb and all the heels back off. And it's a pretty cool ending to a show. You know, if you're going to end a show on a high note, why not have Scott come back? What do you remember of this segment? If you want to go back and watch this hell of a pop, just the way it was done and a lot of chatter, a lot of excitement It was a, one of those good surprise moments because people did not call Scott being reintroduced. Uh, and it, you know, for, for, as far as that worked, as far as, you know, that attempt, it worked, uh, but still lots of overlapping of stories for my taste. I want to mention the next major show is the Royal rumble. And they had announced early in the year that this was going to be a 40 man rumble, not a 30 man rumble. And what do you know? Here comes Kevin Nash and Booker T they're returning to WWE. I only mention this because everyone thought, wait a minute, the main event mafia is coming back. And didn't we just see Scott Steiner on TV last week as the main event mafia, but with Nash and Booker T with WWE, uh, chat me up here. You've talked about your relationship with Kevin. Did you know this was the case? See, and that's what I don't recall. And, and I, I got to think me just hanging around the tapings. I might've heard about, but see Conrad, that's why I go back. I don't have great recollection, but I knew when Booker left, he was done. He just didn't enjoy his run, uh, rightly or wrongly. So he, he was by the end of his run, he was done. <laughs> he, he was, I, I'm moving on. And Kevin was 50 miles from, um, the studios, he, he enjoyed he, it's a quick over. drive in every day for him. He, he loved picking up that paycheck, but he also loved getting a bigger paycheck. Sure. And, uh, his relationship with, with Paul and everything that went with it. 
but I just don't remember Russo having any conversations with me about reforming the main event mafia. Um, I just didn't, I, I don't recall that not saying that it didn't happen, but I don't recall trying to put that back together. Again, you had fortune and immortal and you had a lot of factions already. That's why I just, were we trying to put that or were they trying to put that in there? I don't know. So the observer would write Nash 51 who had insisted he was retiring was expected by those in TNA to be returning to the promotion as a baby face as part of Eric Bischoff's 2001 idea to get rid of the name stars and, uh, then build to their coming back like in 01, when he pulled several main stars, the comeback never took place because the deal to buy WCW and then bringing back all the stars after going dark and building up a new beginning never happened. Booker was contacted by TNA and told the promotion he was expecting to return to WWE Nash. On the other hand, those in TNA claim he committed to coming in and then went to WWE where he showed up with jet black hair as diesel. And in response, the, uh, TNA company would go ahead and have a video package that opens with footage of the main event mafia, Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner, Kurt angle, Booker T and sting. And they're all in action from past TV episodes. And then the main event mafia music would stop. And then there's graphics shown of a desolate city to quote unquote, erase the mafia from the television angle. And then the text flashes on the screen. Just when you thought they were back, think again, they will be revealed this Thursday. Boy, talk about by the seat of your pants, playing grab ass here. I I don't know why you would build to something for folks who aren't under contract. This is sort of wrestling one Oh one for an old school guy like yourself, right? And that's why I don't have any recollection. I was definitely kept in the dark on that. This is that's that that's yeah. Conrad, I don't have any firsthand knowledge. Some of this stuff I read in research, I went, Oh wait, did that really happen? I guess it did. <laughs> well, well, when it happens, the company being WWE, they're running a tease, uh, that a lot of fans online are saying, Oh, well, that's gotta be sting. Of course it winds up being the undertaker, but it is you know, something that I think fans would logically say, well, Nash did it and Booker did it. Why wouldn't sting, uh, somehow as a result, Dixie's not at the next set of tapings. According to the torch, uh, the February 3rd show that was so widely plugged and promoted got a 1.31, uh, which probably not the number you were hoping for. Bischoff's going to open the show talking about Hulk Hogan is not at this show due to the Dixie Carter continuing legal battle. So as a reminder, we promoted Hulk Hogan last week. He ain't here. As a reminder, last week we teased, Hey, the main event mafia must be. They we've heard about they forever. And then Scott Steiner's back with main event mafia gear. But then I turn on Royal rumble and half the damn main event mafia is working for the other company. Yeah. So Bischoff says, as he brings up Kevin Nash, Booker T and sting, he says this about Nash, take your money, get your new action figure, dye your hair and ride off into the sunset. Kevin's a smart guy. And that's exactly what he did. This doesn't help your product at all. This is just acknowledging, Hey, we know we got fucked, right? Is that not what this is? It did. Obviously uh, this is why you get paid the big bucks and you lay it out that way. What it can't be. And knowing the situation at the time, it goes with Vince's. Oh, I'm just the writer. And Eric is, I'm just the executive producer. And Bruce is, Hey, I'm, I'm just talent relations, but I don't handle literally. He was talent relations, but I'm not allowed to handle all the negotiations and Hulk. I'm just Hulk Hogan and Dixie. Oh, I have these people working for me. It's their job. So it's 
who shot John and who's on first. Oh, no, I don't know who's on second. Wait, uh, it was I supposed to call him on third? Now, who's playing shortstop? No, that would be uh, Jeff, Karen, and Kurt. Wait, what? I mean, think about what you just replayed. It's crazy, Hulk's dude. going to be on the show, but he's not. That's just not right in the episodes. And look, there may be extenuating circumstances, but I don't recall why Dixie was or wasn't at TV or why Hulk wasn't or on TV or the main event mafia. This is all strictly our or my opinion, you know, but as it reads, damn dude, what a mess. So then we cut to a video package with uh, you and Karen at your house in Hendersonville and uh, you're doing a house tour and you got all the kids and one of the kids says Dixie's name and you make the kid apologize and promise not to say her name anymore. Is the long-term thinking here? We're going to do something with us versus Dixie. I don't know exactly what the long-term thinking was, but, um, actually where that little bit was filmed, I'm sitting in the same chair right now. It was up in my office. Um, that tour was, I still chuckle at it. You know, that, that was Karen being Karen and, just like having fun with it, but it was such a character build. Like, look at these assholes and, and their kids are smiling and cute as a button and all this. And they innocently call her miss Dixie sort of establishing that we were friends, but now I'm a heel and I'm a bad guy and we're no good. And Dixie's a baby face. And you know, I just thought the little icing on the cake, they didn't call her Dixie. They called her miss Dixie. That's nice. And, and I just said it very lightly. No, no, no girls. No. We don't say that name anymore. You know, not like shut up. Don't ever say, no, no, we don't say anyway. It was fun. It's good TV. Funny. There's another segment with the Jarrett family where they're playing, uh, the 50 sitcom style music in the background. They're having dinner together, talking about what they're thankful for. And yet another one. Now the kids are going to dance, uh, to Jeff's intro music in the living room <laughs> after bedtime. Karen's going to call Jeff big daddy. Um, and now they're going to talk about how they're going to renew their vows on impact. So the world can see their love for each other. And then there's, I mean, <laughs> it's so over the top. It's so silly campy, but it is kind of fun. I mean, especially in hindsight, especially when, you know, Hey man, there's really no hurt feelings. Everything's cool. Um, but you know, at the time, boy, fans had to be thinking, golly, Kurt's going to kill them. That, that, they did. It's great stuff. They absolutely. Were. And you know, that this is where those experiences, when you want to, you know, the, the, the haters of the Orlando crowd, I'm thinking, no, you give them what they want to see. They wanted to kill me and Karen. I mean, in, in the wrestling sense they we had heat, um, good, compelling TV. And we're just hamming it up this perfect white picket fence, blended family, just so nauseating. <laughs> Oh man. So Fine. let's talk about who they are. Uh, they are revealed finally to be fortune. The torch would say there's legitimate talk with the TNA of focusing on the younger stars rather than bringing back big names from the past. One source noted that fortune would be among the top faces in the company and stated that it would be interesting to see what happens with Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and other big names. Once their contracts come up, however, the name, the same source has stated that while creative is behind the idea, those plans could change quickly. The source feels the ratings in the coming weeks will play a big part in determining whether or not the company focuses heavily on the younger talents. The key is in the ratings. The source said Dixie panics when the ratings dip, if it moves two points, she'll panic. 
The source went on to explain if the ratings fall from a 1.3 to a 1.2, as they did, it's business as usual. But if it goes from a 1.3 to a 1.1, Dixie tends to overreact. Is that a fair assessment? That if it fell, it is. Okay. And, and look, not during this time, but a little bit later. Um, and even in 07, 08, and 09, I would say, Hey Dutch, can you give her, cause you're sort of the wise owl. Can you sort of let Dixie know that it, it's a, you know, like I said, January to April's TV season, you're going to have some lulls around May and September, the summer, because there's not all that kind of stuff. And, you know, one of the things that, that always jumped off the page that people don't in today's world, don't really understand that USA network and TBS or TNT, they're like a top five network. We were on spike. That's not even, I don't even think we're in the top 20, but certainly not in the top 10. I think he was 15 and up or maybe 20 and up 22, 23. As far as when I say that is primetime average. So a primetime average ratings on a top 20, top 25 network, they're just not there. So the fluctuation can happen, but it just happens in TV world. And Dixie just, and I get it, I've done it myself, lived and died by those weekly numbers, but you kind of had to look at overarching and compare it to the, like, so how has Spike's uh, ratings been for this entire week? Did, is it down as an entire network, not just our show. What was our lead in? What was our lead out? What else was on other channels? All the stuff that goes into ratings. But she, um, and she was so new to it. You know, she had never looked at a rating, uh, you know, until, I don't know, 05, 06, 07, something like that. So she didn't have, you know, Bischoff around 30 years, Hogan around 30 years, you know, plus all, all the guys that were around in the, in the company, you know, we looked at those court hour rings in that attitude era. So anyway, yes, she, that's a fair assessment that Dixie a lot of times would jump in a rabbit hole, rabbit hole and we would try to say, don't, don't knee jerk. By the way, this is the era where Okada is the fucking green Hornet. Um, boy, just lots of misses here. The go home impact on the way to this pay-per-view against all odds, 2011 draws a 1.2 rating which is a decrease from the 1.31 the week before. Here's how the breakdown has been on the lead up to this pay-per-view over the prior six weeks. January 6th, 1.5. January 13th, 1.7. January 20th, 1.65. January 27th, 1.93. February 3rd. This is the show we've promoted and hyped forever. 1.95. February 10th, 1.71. So they're moving, but not a ton, but it's probably giving Dixie all kinds of stress where it's up, down, up, down, up, down. Thursday night. Um, I want to say there was a TNT package going on basketball wise. Sometimes get good. Anyway, it was life. Um, but when you look at the viewers that we had and put it in context to the day, um, it just, it's, man, it, yeah, I want to do that right now because when I'm saying 1.5, I don't mean the rating. I mean, 1.5 million viewers. So let's put some perspective on this. Okay. We're saying, oh man, 1.7. That's not where we really want to be. That's 1,700,000 viewers by comparison. Uh, February 1st, NXT drew 619,000 viewers raw on January 31st did 1,865,000 viewers. 
This is this year. This is like, this is four days ago as we're recording. Wow. Uh, SmackDown on January twenty eighth drew two point two million viewers. Rampage drew six hundred and one thousand viewers. So we're talking about your Friday night AEW show that just aired. Impact was doing three times what they did. Impact was doing nearly what Raw's doing now. They're doing three times what NXT is doing. By the way, Impact these days is doing 182,000 viewers, so a tenth of what they were doing. Uh, AEW on the 26th, which was their Wednesday night show, did 1.1 million viewers. So the TNA show that we're poking fun at and saying, oh, Dixie wasn't happy, it wasn't good, 600,000 more viewers than what watched AEW this past Wednesday. So I don't want to hear when people say, oh, TNA, LOL, TNA was putting up some numbers and I don't know why it's been dismissed and disregarded and TNA, LOL. But when you take a look at this, I think the wrestling industry for all of her faults, for all of her flaws, owes a huge debt of gratitude to Dixie Carter and the Carter family, because look at all the talent that we got to see here, the great entertainment that we got, and more importantly, the opportunities it created within wrestling, because there's a lot of guys on these shows that we still enjoy to this day. And a lot of guys who we enjoyed before they were with TNA and this gave them maybe a more proper send off than they would have gotten anywhere else to wind down their careers. I, I just, um, I don't think it's fair the way TNA has been categorized over the years, especially when you consider, Hey man, why don't we put NXT and rampage together? Still didn't do what TNA did. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yes, I've said it many times on this podcast and I've said it many times privately, you know, how life happened and the scrushy story and Bob Carter and Dixie stepping up. You damn right. Uh, life happened. Did she always make the right decisions? No, but does anybody make all the, who does Lord, nobody does. But, uh, man, when you just put it in context to, you know, the number that just jumped off the page at me, what? So one of those numbers that impact was 1.9 million people, 1.93 on January 27th, a week later, 1.95. That's nearly what WWE does on Fox. Now you were doing it on cable back then. The number that jumped off the page, SmackDown 2.2 on Fox broadcast television on broadcast television. And we're talking about a top 20, top 25 cable. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's that's Fox who has the NFL spike, who has girls going wild commercials. <laughs> it's a different animal. And, it is a completely different animal. And, and we're only, you know, a couple hundred thousand difference. Now I understand well, the way people consume TV is different. I get all that. Yeah. Yeah. I do but, too. But, but I'm just saying, let's put in the proper context, how many folks watched it. I don't care yeah. how they watched it. How many folks watched it? That's right. and, and Lord TNA did a lot of good stuff. And, uh, I just don't think that gets talked about enough. Let's talk about something else here. The show opens here on the go home edition. Bischoff and the immortal come down. Bischoff's burying everyone. He calls AJ styles a vanilla midget, which is a WCW <laughs> term. I think that, uh, Kevin Nash created James storm. He called him a drunk, uh, rude. He says another Canadian devoid of charisma, probably a Bret Hart shot there. And Kazarian, he called the clay Aiken of professional wrestling, whatever that means, I guess, because he sings pretty Either, hair. Oh, there you go. I guess. Hell, so, I don't know. Frankie's got pretty hair. <laughs> um, 
Eric's you you come out and grab the mic and you call the guys boys and you say, and I mean, boys, you tell them to grow a set and come in the ring with a real man. And you're lecturing them, telling them they're nothing. You're saying Kaz has million dollar looks and 10 cent talent, blah, blah, blah. Eventually there's a big brawl that breaks out. And, um, yeah, now you're <laughs> at cross with fortune, I suppose. What do you remember of this little promo? You do? I, I, I mean, look, it was okay. My delusional optimism, Conrad, from an overarching deal that in 09, we were almost ready to do main event mafia versus the front line, which was AJ Styles and Joe and Eric Young. I'll call it old guys versus young guys, vets against, you know, that whole deal. Well, Hogan came in, we'd gone through the nasty, you know, went through that experience, experience, experiment as well. But as we got into 11 and they came back and said, Hey, Jeff and Kurt, can we do this storyline? And then we're, when you sort of could kind of feel that, okay, maybe Hulk's talent development situation in what it was cracked up to be. And we're going to go with this young set of guys. I kind of had, it ended up being false, but I kind of had a false hope that I love the name fortune. I wonder who came up with that actually came up anyway, but I, I, I love where it was going. And, you know, in 09, it was me and, 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 and Foley that were trying to be the mediators between main event old and young. And now here it came again that I was the heel, but I had a lot of hope that in 011, we were going to write the ship in my delusional optimism. I really thought, okay, we're going to get back on track. Let's talk about how we get back on track here. We've got three singles matches scheduled for the pay-per-view. So we need to give them some TV time. So let's put all the guys together, all six guys in one match and fuck it. Let's make it a tables match, but let's only give them four minutes. <laughs> That'll sell some pay-per-view. So it's Matt Hardy, brother Ray and the Pope, and they're going to lose to brother Devon, Rob Van Dam and Samoa Joe. When Ray gets put through the table by Devon in four minutes. And then there's a contract signing between you and Kurt scheduled. And the torch would recap it like this. Karen and Jeff stood in the ring. Karen said they wanted to provide entertainment to help viewers with their terrible marriages and dysfunctional families. So they're going to continue to show footage of their great home life where it's nothing but love 24 seven angle <laughs> walks out. Jarrett said, if angle wins, <clears throat> here we go. <laughs> oh. Jarrett says, if angle wins, he gets sole custody of the kids. And Jarrett said, if he wins on March 3rd, he and Karen are going to renew their vows. And he wants Kurt there to give the bride away and angle signs the contract. This is the most campy, silly over the top horse shit ever, but it aired on TV. And somehow fans saw this silliness that looks like it's out of a scene from the old 80 sitcom mama's family. And, 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 and now people believe, oh man, they were furious with each other, <laughs> buddy. We're not going to have matches where custody of the kids is on the line. If, if this is a real heated, it it's <laughs> hilarious to me that wrestling fans, we want to believe so badly that we're like, you know, they were probably throwing some potatoes at each other, you know, things I know the rest of the, I know about wrestling. Okay. I know, but now this, this was real. Cause Kurt wants custody of them kids. He wants them. What the fuck is this? God, I knew we were going to have fun doing this episode. I, if, and you know what? This is a, another plug. 
the renewal of the vows was one of the most fun episodes, just how it all went down, but this whole contract signing and just, yeah, campiness, but the delivery of Karen's, this promo, and I went back and watched a little bit of this, that, oh, yes, we're just going to provide some entertainment. <clears throat> and we're telling the folks, hey, folks, we, uh, I know you don't really care about custody, but you probably want to see Kurt give Karen away at a funeral. I mean, a funeral, at a wedding. Um, so, so, so tune in and watch that, pal. You guys, it was sports entertainment, pal. Look at you, Conrad. You're just sitting there shaking your head. It's hilarious, dude. It's good TV. Uh, Anderson gets a win over Morgan in nine minutes after Hernandez appears and helps him for the win. Suicide returns in an X division match between Brian Kendrick. That's a name we heard a lot this week and Robbie E. Uh, in hindsight, you're trying to sell action figures to kids and all. Should we have had a character named Suicide? that's a whole nother podcast we're going to do on TNA's uh, video game. And that's where it came out of. And yes, there was a, a debate on all of that, <clears throat> but the short answer is, um, it's 2009, 10, 11. Look how much society's changed. I'm not saying it was right back then. I mean, nowadays you couldn't even got it on, get it on a piece of paper. Would you say, I mean, it literally wouldn't even pass the very first creative test and in here the game company wanted it and that's where it all started. And we just sort of baked it all the way through. So no Conrad, it, it, it is. And now that I know what about mental health, I mean, not only no, but hell no, but it's kind of, uh, I don't even want to say amusing cause there's nothing amusing uh, about mental health and suicide, but the reality is, it not only passed Spike and TNA and Dallas. Oh, it's a different time though. It all originated from a, a a gaming company who sells video games to kids. Yeah. So just so you know, suicide here is Christopher Daniels, who's under a Ring of Honor contract, but there's now been a deal made between the two companies, according to the Observer, uh, and they got Daniels to uh, return after leaving. Um, he was a big part, you know, he's a TNA original, but this ring of honor deal was uh sticky in times to say the least, huh? Yeah. And I want to just touch on suicide, the, the character, to my knowledge, that's the first time I remember in a creative process that it was a only game only character. And I said, Hey, can we create our own? And the gaming company went, would you? And I'm like, hell yeah, it'll sell more games. So delete the name, but the, 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 the ability and the, the, the creation of taking a video game, only fictitious character and actually making him come into a real life action superstar. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but, um, on to your question again, I'm out of the relationship, so I'm not completely dialed into the ring of honor and TNA and how all that went down. That would have probably been done with Bruce and Dixie and, you know, uh, Sinclair wasn't involved yet. Were they? I don't think so. Uh, at this point. Um, but anyhow, I, I, I didn't have anything to do with the day, uh, with the dealings of Chris coming back on board. So here we go. It's the main event of the go home show. It's Jeff Jarrett with Karen teaming up with Jeff Hardy to take on Kurt Angle and AJ styles. And, uh, 
Well, they go 14 minutes and the torch gave it two and three quarter stars. Ultimately, Jarrett's trying to keep angle out of the ring after a, a brief chase at ringside. Styles is going to surprise Jarrett with a flying forearm for a three count. So styles and angle are baby faces. They get the win. And afterwards, Jarrett gave angle and styles low blows from behind because of course he would. And then he's talking trash to angle takes a, a few final cheap shots. Hardy then gives styles a twist of fate in the meantime. And there's a uh, massive brawl breaking out with Immortal and fortune running to the ring and the bells just ringing over and over. But it took a final run in from Anderson to finally tilt the odds in favor of the baby faces. And this is how we're selling the pay-per-view. What'd you think of this creative and go home episode? You know, I understand star power in the main event. Um, we got to advance everybody toward the pay-per-view and, you know, kind of everything that went with that. Um, and make a platform for our champion to come down and kick ass. And that's what we did, but it didn't really advance anything in any specific. It was just kind of baking the cake and move on to the next episode. Not good or bad. It was what it was. So here's the report from the observer about the pay-per-views. We're, we're here now. Finally, we've been talking for an hour and a half and we're finally here. TNA put on one of its best pay-per-views in months on February 13th with the against all odds show from Orlando. It was a combination of a hot crowd and no bad matches. There was some real booking nonsense, including Kurt angle retiring only to be back wrestling at the TV tapings, which would be stupid under normal circumstances, but as a new degree, considering they just did the exact same angle a few months ago. One could question the finish of Bubba versus Devon in the sense that Devon's son Terrell was pinned and he was not even in the match, but he was advertised in the match. I know it's too confusing. At the end of the day, this may have been the tree in the empty forest pay-per-view. Our response level for this show was at record low levels. Even with the Jeff Hardy ladder match and angle versus Jarrett being one of the company's best booked angles in a long time. It's the whole concept of being unable to book for money. In a sense, pay-per-view has become the self-fulfilling prophecy of the company. They don't believe it's a viable concept, so they don't promote it well. So it doesn't draw at all. The promotion's goal nowadays is build for once a month TV rating by peaking for a show on this pay-per-view. Almost every key match was not announced until the Thursday before the Sunday pay-per-view because they didn't want to get in the way of the February 3rd television show. So they only had February 10th to actually push the matches and angles and the same concept is happening this month. They're peaking for the February or the March 3rd television show, and they have a pay-per-view 10 days later. So the whole show won't be built until three days prior to the pay-per-view. Jeff, this is the opposite of the mindset when the company started. I mean, there you were selling only pay-per-view literally, uh, what changed the spike relationship, Dixie's obsession with ratings, chat me up here. This I'm, I'm struggling to make sense of this. Can't serve two masters. Yeah. And Dixie, uh, didn't just throw the talent on pay-per-views, but, and again, we produced a monthly pay-per-view in the United States and Canada that we got transactional pay-per-view revenue out of it. We also took that three hour premium program and sold it around the country for at a higher per hour rate than the impact show. So it was a dual revenue source. So the, the, the idea of 
we're not at contract year, but we're approaching it. So we need to get our ratings up. So Spike will give us more money. Was the whole mindset, but for, for Spike to give us more, more money, their entire network had to raise because you can only sell a commercial on Spike for X amount of dollars. You're just, you really better have an NFL that goes way above the cube uh, of, of, of the network to increase rights fees. And we were getting a healthy rights fees. So Dixie made the mindset that I have, that she had, you know, hired 15, 20 guys from 09. And so our talent bill went through the roof. And so how am I going to cover that? Well, the only way to cover that pay-per-view is not going to cover that. I'm going to hopefully get a, a rights fee increase. Well, didn't work, but that was the mindset. And by throwing in the towel and saying, you know, the renewal and just, yes, it became, let's try to pop a rating once a month. And this is again, taking it on the road, having that mindset. It was the beginning of the end right during this time. Let's, uh, let's talk about the first match of the pay-per-view here. It's Kazarian pinning Robbie E to keep the X title. They go seven minutes and four seconds. Generation me is not here. They had some travel issues. Meltzer gave it three stars. Wade gave it two stars. Kazarian and Robbie E. I wish we saw more Kazarian on TV these days. Robbie E seems to have found his uh, second calling uh, as a mouthpiece in NXT. Uh, what would you think the, the second act for Kazarian would be? Do you think Kazarian would, would want to be an agent? Is he going to be a podcaster? Has he still got 10 years left in him? I know we both think a lot of Kaz. What say you? He's going to be a bass player. No. Um, I think Frankie will be a producer. I also think, you know, I haven't worked with him in, in several years, but Frankie always had a very logical delivery of conversation. Cause I, so as, as opposed to a producer, uh, you know, I almost can see him also being in talent relations. Um, fr- Frankie got a level head on his shoulders. I'll oh, for that. sure. For sure. He's got a level head. So maybe more talent relations, uh, as opposed to a producer. And he's a very satisfied save with Conrad.com customer. How about that? Oh, here we go. Now we're going to sell Dallas show. And now we got to sell save with Conrad. Right, you're right. You're right. Let's not do that. Let's not do anything <laughs> that pays the bills. Let's just talk about old TNA Scott well, baseball, Steiner, dude, baseball. I'm kidding. Scott Steiner there fella. Have you had any nuts lately? Slap nuts. I mean, oh. Have you had any, have you tasted I, any good ones? Uh, yeah, yes, I sure have a little tease there. Uh, Scott Steiner, Robert Roode, and James Storm are going to beat Rob Terry, Gunner, and Murphy in 10 minutes and 13 seconds. Uh, Meltzer would say Gunner and Murphy have graduated to regular wrestling gear and are full-fledged wrestlers instead of security guards. Steiner still looks freakish at 48. Uh, two and three-quarter stars. I got to tell you, the biggest pop, though, is when Roode tagged Steiner, who then did a Frankensteiner off the top rope on Gunner for the pin. They went bananas seeing Scott do that move. They've seen him do it very rarely in the last 13 years, but when he busted it out here at 48 years old, the crowd came unglued two and three quarter stars is what Dave gave it. Wade gave it star and a half. Pretty nice to see your old pal Scott in there doing his thing. Is it not? It's awesome. And you know, looking at the entire rundown of this card, TNA was loaded with talent. Um, but you know, one of the things about God almighty, he was 48 when he did that people 
think of Big Papa Pump and the math interview and just the Steinerisms and all that, I think a lot of times people forget about that young black hair Scott Steiner that appeared on WCW that came out with that move and everything that went with it. Scott is a legitimate, and I don't call it a genetic freak from a bodybuilding perspective. I'm talking about from an athlete perspective, unbelievable quickness. He's, he's really, uh, and his two kids, one plays college football. The other one's high school basketball, going to play college basketball. Krista's wife, uh, college gymnast, but, uh, big Papa athletically, they don't make them like him. Oh, no. He is an unbelievable, his athletic ability, 48, doing it off the top. Good for him. Huge pop. Next up, Samoa Joe is going to beat Pope D'Angelo De Niro in eight minutes and 29 seconds. I know we both think a lot of both of those guys still think, uh, it's a shame that neither one maybe had the level of success in wrestling that they should have. I think Pope could have been uh, a much bigger star and boy, Samoa Joe should not be on the third match very often. But here he is, and he's got Kazuchika Okada as his sidekick. He's dressing in a mask like the Green Hornet. And uh, Meltzer says his name is Okato, O-K-A-T-O, or pronounced Okado, as in Kato, the Green Hornet's tag team partner. Yep. Okay. So that's what we're doing. Uh, eventually he does a run in to help and Pope takes him out. Pope is then going to run Joe's head into the exposed turnbuckle and Joe's going to blade. Pope uses the double knees in the corner. Joe's bleeding, sees the blood goes crazy. And by that point, Pope runs away. So here you go, man. The finish is, uh, Joe getting the choke out of nowhere and Pope immediately tapping. And they note on commentary that he's an early tapper, but Pope is acting like, well, I got out of it without any pain. Uh, Meltzer thought the flat, the finish was flat. He gave it two and a quarter stars. Wade gave it two stars. I don't know if you've picked up the trend so far, but Meltzer always rates the matches higher than Wade. I don't know what that is. Wade has a really, really high opinion of the wrestling man. I don't know what else there is to say here. You got three really talented performers, Okada, Joe and Pope. What'd you think? I don't recall the, this finish and storyline and all that. And, you know, we've covered the, the Okada situation. Not that, that my frustration was with, here's this soon to be legendary talent. It was the relationship that we had with new Japan that literally was being thrown out the window. That was what was so disheartening, but we covered that last week or the week before. Um, but Joe, one of my all time favorites, um, man, is what it is. Next up, we've got Madison Rain retaining the uh, TNA Knockouts title over Mickey James in 827. It's a last woman standing match. James is going to be dressed as Pocahontas, and there's a sign in the crowd that says, I'll pay Flair's bar tab. Uh, Taz in commentary is trying to put over that the women in TNA are different from those in WWE. And James tries to pull Rain's loaded glove off her hand. Both end up crawling under the ring, and then they both get out. I have no idea why. Rain knocked James off the top rope to the floor, but James got out at nine. James comes off the top rope with a Thez press. And at this point, James pulled the glove off Ryan's hand and put it on her own hand. And that brings Tara out. James knocks her out with a loaded glove punch. And then rain pulls brass knuckles out of her boots with the riff distracted. 
and hits James with those brass knucks. Rain instinctively goes for the pin, but there's no pins in this match. And then she remembered that, and James is given a 10 count, so it's over. Two and a half stars, according to Dave. That was Dave's recap. Wade gave it a star and three quarters. Uh, you know, Taz is doing a good job here because, man, there was a big difference between the way WWE presented the women in 2011 versus the way TNA did. And you had two very capable performers here, Mickey James, most especially. Uh, and, you know, nice little storytelling for a, a last woman standing match. Not something we had seen very often up to this point. What'd you think? I've said it several times. I think I said it just recently. Mickey always over delivered in big money matches, whether it was a impact big match or a pay-per-view match, uh, in Madison, um, this is when she was doing some, you know, coming along and doing some of her very, very best work. Um, but it's, it always, you know, WWE doesn't always come up with, uh, the original ideas. They always just do it bigger, better, and broader, but we, from Gail and not, uh, Gail and, and, um, oh my gosh, uh, Gail and awesome Kong from that storyline. Oh, they were athletes with competitive matches with obviously characters, but the presentation was night and day in 2011, just completely different. So Matt Morgan comes out for an interview and, uh, he's going to call out Hernandez. Hernandez is a cocky heel here and he's going to call Morgan the great white hype. And Hernandez says America is looking for its next great white hope. And that's why he went to Mexico. He said they loved him in Mexico and treated him like a big star. And he said, people treated him here like a second class citizen, but now a Hispanic America has taken over and people like Morgan are now the minorities. So Morgan's confused. Hernandez gives Morgan a knee to the groin and then gives Morgan the attitude adjustment. So we're building Morgan up. He's been beating people on TV in like five seconds. And now we're feeding him to Hernandez. I don't really understand this. Why wouldn't you give Morgan a bigger run? This to me plays exactly into why we often ask the question, Hey, why wouldn't Matt Morgan a bigger star? I think it's a lot of it's bad creative. What say you bad. And let me ask you something. Cause you've got shit sometimes. And I don't know that you've covered this on 83 weeks, but he was on a good role. Yeah. I wonder what happened. Like, like, was it a political situation? Was there an injury situation? Was, uh, a leave of absence? Could it have been in a contractual situation, but something happened because he was on a roll and then Hernandez re-enters the pro, uh, the, the, the story or, or the roster and they cut okay, him off. That's it. Yeah. Game set match. Thanks Matt for coming. What? I don't get it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. The rumor in innuendo. I'm not saying this is true, but at the time, a lot of people online said, old Dixie was sweet on Hernandez. And that must've been it. Do you ever hear that? Oh, heard it. I heard that more online than in person, but yeah, but, uh, she yeah. liked Hernandez as, as a talent, but she liked a lot of folks as a talent, but why throw, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to infer anything else, but I'm just saying yeah, no, no, he was, yeah. he, he was a Dixie favorite. Oh, huge favorite, yeah. huge favorite. Uh, but I don't know why I don't know well, I, I'm, what happened to Morgan. I wonder, I don't know, but maybe Karen Jarrett should have been hanging out with Hernandez and then she could have got over with Dixie. <laughs> no, even Hernandez couldn't have climbed that mountain. <laughs> but you and Dixie had an awkward relationship at this point too. Did you not? Yes. Oh, for, yes. So in a weird way, Karen may have just been guilty by association, right? 
when it came to Dixie? We'll get into it in future episodes, but I, I kind of believe that she had the power play positioning that she exercised via the personal situation. But I also believe that, and this is others, this is not, this is firsthand knowledge from others that Karen got a lot of compliments from talent and production and others about her performances. And I think that rubbed Dixie the wrong way. I got it. We'll talk that that's a whole episode by itself. You're exactly right. <laughs> God, right. Rob Van Dam is going to pin Matt Hardy in 13 minutes and 18 seconds. And, um, well, he, Matt does an interview before the match saying throughout my career, I've always tried to do the right thing. Last year, I'd been suffering from a potential career ending injury and my brother left WWE and then I was being punished to get back at Jeff and he used that to make himself cold blooded. So we're seeing a new Matt Hardy here. Meltzer would say the crowd wasn't into it early and Rob Van Dam had to cheerlead early, but it turned into a really good match. There's dueling chance. Rob Van Dam misses, uh, the rolling thunder, but immediately did the standing moonsault. He hits the kick to the head, the split legged moonsault, lots of big moves here. The finish would see Matt miss a moonsault and Rob Van Dam use the frog splash. And Meltzer would say, Matt looked a lot better here than in his debut. Uh, he gave it two and three quarter stars. Wade gave it the exact same rating, two and three quarter stars. So maybe it wasn't the best first outing or initial outing for Matt, but it seems like he pulled the nose up here with Rob Van Dam. Matt put on his working boots, man. Yeah. And RVD too, you know, RVD j- just his athletic ability, but no, um, that, I mean, Matt can go. And with the right set of circumstances, and I don't even going to say this is the right set of circumstances, Matt can have not just good, but great. But the, the RVD, Matt Hardy, you know, we just went over creative building up to this pay-per-view. Very little story put into that. And you got to have story to really take a match to the, to the umpteenth level. Next up. Boy, we're talking about a big time feud here, uh, a long time one at least. Bully Ray and Devon in a street fight. That's going to be nine minutes and twenty six seconds. The match was advertised as Bully Ray versus Devon and his two sons, but earlier in the show, Devon told them to stay in the back and pulled them from the match. And really and truly, it got pretty high praise from Dave. He gave it three and a half stars because, well. As you can imagine, the kids are going to become involved and bully Ray is going to hit Devon with a chair shot to the back. Ray's going to spit up the kids. Ray's going to use a garbage can lid to the head and put Devon's chair into a chair and grab a chain. And then Devon and, and, and Terrell are going to jump into the ring race, threatening both of them with a chain before he could do anything. Devon recovers. Terrell hit Ray with a, gr- a garbage can and split his legs. So Devon could do the WhatsApp spot. And mm-hmm. then, uh, the kids are going to tell Devon, get the table, which is a fun spot. He does. But of course, bully Ray gives him a low blow, gets the handcuffs. They cuff Devon to the corner and he's screaming that Devon was weak and that nobody should have ever kicked out of the 3d. 
Both sons tried to pry open the handcuffs to no avail. And, uh, Devon's going to be stuck in the corner and that's going to allow bully Ray to lay out Terrence Terrell will attack Ray, but Ray kicks him in the head and pins him three and a half stars. The post-match will see Devon still handcuffed in the corner and Ray goes to hit him with a chair, but then he freezes and it's almost like he's having second thoughts, but instead he attacks the sons and power bombs Terrell through a table. The fans were actually with this though. They're chanting one more time. So Devon's freaking out almost in tears in the corner. Finally, security comes out way late and unlocks Devon. Terrell's put in a neck brace, stretchered out crowds going crazy. And Meltzer says the angle was perfectly constructed. Now, unfortunately, Wade didn't like it nearly as much. He gave it one star, but if you're a longtime wrestling fan, you knew the story of the Dudley boys or you're a Dudley boy fan. This was good shit, man. What'd you think? Awesome. And you know, I was just sitting here, um, thinking, you know, watching Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson on TV or, you know, in this example, a bully and Devon, and then me and Kurt, I'll go back to what I said. If you can create a situation and take some reality based and then blow it up over the top. And now Devon's kids are coming of age and they're 19, 20, 20 years of old. It just makes for compelling. And I kind of think at the very essence of professional wrestling, that's what it was, but it's, this was awesome. It was very, very well done. Bully Ray and Devon put their heads together and really think things through. Um, good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Do you think it was, uh, too much putting it back to back with you and angle? That when I read this, I, I'm like, I don't remember that. But the the shorter answer is, boy, you talk about being subjective. It's like, okay, who's going to follow Bully Ray in that? Okay, well, Kurt and Jeff and, and, and Karen probably can. But, okay, what can we put in the middle that we just want to throw away? That wouldn't have been fair to a other match on the card. Well, you know, the other matches we've gone over. So it's so difficult in at times when you're having a match format, neither one of our matches should have gone on last. Um, it just, it, it, it's tough. And sometimes you um, have to make a decision that may not be, you know, overwhelming majority. Oh, you can poke holes again. It's creative is subjective. There is no right or wrong. Uh, let me say this. There's no clear, perfect way on this show to have a match layout. Yeah. I poke holes every, every which way, but, um, I don't remember it being an issue when we went to the ring, like, Oh God, we got to follow that, uh, because of their kids in it. No. Next up, Kurt angle and Jeff Jarrett are going to manage to have a great match. According to Dave, they go 16 minutes and 14 seconds. And what he called a ridiculous stipulation match. And I think we would all agree, <laughs> uh, eventually Kurt hits the Olympic slam, but Karen is distracting the referee. As Kurt's checking on the referee, Jarrett used a low blow in the stroke, but angle kicks out. Brian Hebner's knocked down when angle shoves Jarrett into the ref when escaping the stroke attempt. And then Karen interferes again, raking her fingernails on Kurt's back. Kurt went after Karen, but Jeff attacked Kurt from behind and threw him into the steps. Jeff brought in a chair, but Kurt got it away. Kurt was about to use it when Brian Hebner took it from Kurt. They traded more near finishes, including a Sato suplex by Kurt. Uh, Kurt's going to go ahead and be distracted again by Karen. And that allows Jeff to give Kurt the stroke 
off the middle rope inside the ring. But once again, angle kicks out. Kurt nails a German suplex goes for the ankle lock, but that damn Karen distracts Brian Hebner again. Uh, Jeff is tapping, but of course the referee misses it. Kurt gets to check on the referee. And while he's doing so Jeff nails Kurt with a wicked looking chair shot. Although Kurt did get his hands up to absorb some of the shock. And of course, Kurt kicked out, but now there's a chant from the crowd. You tapped out. Kurt goes for the inside cradle. Jarrett escapes. Kurt tries a sunset flip and drops to try the ankle lock. Jeff sits down to counter and gets the pin. And after the match, Kurt took off his wrestling boots and left them in the ring. Like Rulon Gardner did at the Oh four Olympics. Taz pointed that out right away and said, this must mean he's retiring. And Taz said that Kurt had retired and that nobody knew if Kurt lost, he was going to retire. Meltzer loved it. Gave it a four and a quarter stars. Wade gave it three and a half stars. A lot of silliness, but boy, it told quite a story. Did it not? And I'm glad we finally got to this part because I held back till now. Conrad, this is one of my favorite matches ever. That, you know, I'm a 44-year-old dude. Um, it, you know, I told myself long ago, like, okay, you know, wh- when, it, when am I going to drop off, uh, you know, just that. So at 44, to be having this kind of match, I can remember a couple of days after, like, okay, man, I watched this back. I, I was proud of it. And, and, you know, leading up to it, I said, I would joke with Kurt. All right, dude, go get in the zone because Kurt has an, like Sean, if they think things through by themselves and just visualize it, but Kurt is in a, God, he's so good at it. Thinking about the submissions and the near falls and the false finishes and integrating Karen and just kind of the whole man, boy, we're really getting in inside baseball here, but just the whole layout of it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Good storytelling. There was a stipulation on the line. Yes. Very silly, but it fits in sports entertainment, but I was very happy with the match. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to keep rambling because you'll no, no. chastise me. But, Go out of your way to see it. It's a hell of a match. I told, I told a great story. And man, what a rating. Four and a quarter stars. Oh, Dave liked that one. He liked it better than Wade. You know, a couple of weeks ago, you were like, we don't ever talk about the torch. Well, Wade gave it three and a half, but Dave gave it four and a quarter. It told it a good story. Yeah, that, that Wade uh, as a whole gave it much less stars. But we're talking about stars in a wrestling match. Okay. Well, there were two big stars here. Three, if you can't Karen. You guys did a great job. What do you remember? You come back through the curtain. Is it all smiles for everybody? Everybody's happy with what's going on? We hit every, it's one of those. We clicked. It clicked. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, on to the next uh, show. But no, it was uh, just the timing. Uh, like you said, it, it, it is a... Um, a blended family that could have been uneasy, but in a lot of ways, I certainly never had this conversation with, with Kurt and I don't even recall with Karen, but in my mind, I'm like, guys, this is what professional wrestling is all about. Go out and deliver and all the BS that may or may not peripheral surround it. Folks, we're business folks and we're going to go tell a story. And we did. Now it's time for our main event. Jeff Hardy's going to beat Mr. Anderson in a ladder match to win the TNA title in 18 minutes and 16 seconds. There's two referees here, but they never play a part of the finish. Um, 
Meltzer gave it three and a quarter and so did Wade. There's lots of let's go Hardy chance. Both guys are going to climb different ladders. They're fighting at the top. Hardy's going to slam Anderson's head on the top of the ladder. He grabs the belt. Anderson starts punching back. Hardy again, tries to get it, but Anderson threw the belt. And the finish was that both were supposed to collapse from the ladder giving out, but Hardy would have just grabbed the belt and fell to the ground with it. Well, except he fell without unlocking the belt. So he had to climb back up and just grab it. As a result, the finish came off flat because it was a screwed up finish and Hardy just grabbed the belt and sort of building to that grab. But man, that's what happens when you're working with props like this. Sometimes that belt didn't want that belt. Didn't know how to work. Jeff belt wasn't working that day. It's, um, we're just talking about this being the main event, Hardy and Anderson. Um, it's a hell of a card. It's a stacked card top to bottom. Um, interesting times, my friend, February, 2011. And next week we're going to be talking against all odds, 2007. It'll be Kurt Angle's first shot at the NWA title against Christian. We'll have the prison yard match between abyss and sting Lance Hoyt will be with David Eckstein to take on Dale Torberg and AJ Pruszynski. We've also got Christy Hemi taking on the big fat oil guy. Boy, there's a lot of funny stuff happening here in 07. Uh, but before we get there, uh, let's go ahead and do some fan questions. We're letting folks over at adfreeshows.com do something kind of cool. You can essentially call in and ask your question. And uh, let's go to the phones right now. Here we go. We've got a question. Hey, Jeff Conrad, RJ Top Guy here. Had a quick question for you about the TNA against all odds. 2011, the Jeff and Kurt battle for custody. I wanted to know if there was really any kickback from yourself, Jeff, or Kurt, or anybody really involved with that uh, as far as, hey, I don't want to do that or whatnot. Uh, I appreciate the time, and uh, go Bills, Jeff. Well, the Bills didn't go very far. Let's see how far this answer goes. We've covered it, I mean, in general, but no, there wasn't any pushback. It was um, it was just a real you know, that call that Russo, uh, the calls because Russo called me, I don't know the exact order, but he obviously had to sign off from Dixie and I would assume Eric and Hulk and maybe Bruce. And then, Hulk, uh, Russo had to make his calls to, I would assume Kurt first, then me and, and then Karen. So it's funny how time changes folks perspective. I'll just say that. Well, next week, we're going to be talking a little perspective from some TNA talk from 2007. Don't forget. You get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. You can even ask a question here on the show. So check it Let out. If you haven't ask already, a question. sure. We're going to be talking about the prison yard match. Yep. Do you think there's a chance that you're going to run over Chris Park verbally and then back up? Just, are you just going to just crush him next week? By then we'll know what happened with the super bowl. So My point. yeah. Well, yeah. but let, let's go ahead. You half-ass handicapper, get your call in right now. <laughs> I told you Rams. Okay. Home field. I'm going field advantage. I'm going Bengals just to be different. Okay. We've, we've covered that. Bless your heart. Just Hold wanted time. to let you know, I haven't changed my mind. You like them Bengals fellers, don't you? No, not at all. Them fe- you don't like them fellers. No, I don't like any of them fellers. You know what though? I'm glad that I'm here with the original outlaw. Ladies there and gentlemen, you go. he is double J guess what we have April 1st, uh, a big show in Colorado. 
Conrad. Go uh, hopefully better oh. internet in Hendersonville. That's what I'm hoping for in April 1st, but no Don't serious business. Supershowlive.com. It's WrestleMania weekend. It's not an April fool's joke. It's Friday night. As soon as you finish WrestleCon and scoot on over, come join us for a happy hour. It's a VIP. You never know who you're going to see there, but let me just tell you, everyone's in town. The big question right now is who's the third man. Cause there is at least a third man and maybe a fourth, maybe a fifth. That's but- what I was going to say is, can I ask you this without yeah. revealing anything? When are you going to decide who number three is? I already know who three is. Do you? Yeah. And I know who four is. And can I know who five is. Three. Can four become three? Four can, you know, um, and five become three. Is this like the seven, eight, nine joke? No, I'm, I'm, I'm being dead. I, I literally am being serious. I can't wait as 2022 unrolls and we get top guy weekend and the stories that we're going to be able to exchange at top guy weekend about what's going on right now are going to be fun. I'll just, it's going to be fun. And I didn't even tell you about the phone call I had yesterday yet. We need to catch up off. Here we go. See folks. That's the tee up. That's the old, we'll do it after the onboarding call today. Join what we're doing. Go to supershowlive.com. You'll be so glad you did. We're going to have a lot of fun. You will too. This will sell out. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. So hurry. They just went on sale yesterday at supershowlive.com. That's supershowlive.com. Grab the VIP. It's the best value you can find. And, uh, you're going to get to come to happy hour with Eric Bischoff. Tell me that isn't fun. Plus meet and greets and yada, yada, yada. Go check it out. Supershowlive.com. It's April 1st in Dallas, WrestleMania weekend. And we'll see you next week right here on my world. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? (laughs) You pay me more. Jeff Smith teaches on the sliding scale. (laughs) Those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.